Hello, I am Rose Suit, and today we're reading St. Catherine of Siena's Mysticism by Ralph Schulman. Considered one of the Catholic Church's influential saints, St. Catherine of Siena has been a popular figure since the 14th century. A mystical marriage to Christ is one of many purported marriages, but had a powerful impact on her theology. Famous for convincing Pope Gregory XI to end the Babylonian captivity of the papacy, St. Catherine's mysticism endears her to the masses. The letters bring much comfort and are a valuable resource for other mystics and scholars, arguing their merit and influence on the church. Some wonder, what is the importance of mysticism? What is it? Mysticism is a form of ecstasy, where someone becomes one with God, an intimate setting where a person is spiritually aware of the heavenly forces and produces euphoric feelings and visions. Catherine used this intimate insight with God to not only enrich her spiritual life, but those around her. She had help through scholasticism, a school of Catholic thought culminating a century prior in the influence of a fellow Dominican, St. Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas believed secret mysteries were a source of mysticism, only achievable through revelation. Such mysteries cannot contradict truth as they are known through natural reason. In Catherine's case, her mysticism followed God's grace and was accepted through demonstration and insight. This backs up Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32, suggesting, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. We know from her biographer, Raymond of Capua, that Catherine had her first vision when she was six years old. It was 1353 and the Black Death had ceased ravaging Europe. One afternoon, Catherine raised her eyes to heaven, saw opposite to her a splendid throne occupied by a Lord Jesus Christ, clothed in pontifical ornaments, and a sacred brow adorned with a tiara. At his side was St. Peter, St. Paul, and St. John the Evangelist. Catherine stood still ravaged with admiration and contemplated with love him who thus manifested himself to her in order to capture more fully her devoted heart. The Savior gave her a look of serene majesty, smiled upon her with benign tenderness, then extending his hand gave her his blessing in the form of a cross, as is customary with bishops. Part 1, Chapter 2, The First Vision Catherine was interrupted by her brother, and wept bitterly when the vision went away. At that moment, Catherine was no longer a child, as she was showered with virtues beyond her years. Her heart had her first revelation of God's love. She set her sights on the Dominican order as she was inspired by the example, and could not dwell upon any other thought. At seven years old, Catherine gave her life to God. At 16, she had visions of St. Dominic, the founder of the Dominican Order, and was convinced God called her to the Order knowing she could not go back on, on it. Her parents wanted to marry her off, but Catherine fasted and cut her hair in protest before consenting to her wishes. As a member of the Dominican Order, Catherine involved herself with the mystical matters at the heart of the organization. During the Middle Ages, devotions toward these mis secret mysteries 
had a wider impact on the theological transformation of Christendom. For the Dominicans, the importance of these mysteries could not be explained rationally, but through mystics, unexplainable concepts like the Virgin Birth and Christ's Resurrection became explainable. Women made mysticism more accessible than men due to their intimate relationships with God's Holy Spirit. At 21, Catherine had an experience that forever changed her life. Raymond of Capwell writes, The soul of Catherine became daily more enriched with the grace of the Savior. She flew rather than walked in the paths of virtue, and she conceived the holy desire of arriving at so perfect a degree of faith that nothing would henceforth be capable of separating her from her divine spouse, whom her heart aspired alone to please. One day, at the approach of the holy season of Lent, Catherine withdrew into her cell there to enjoy her spouse more intimately by fasting and prayer. She reiterated her petition with more fervor than ever before, and our Lord answered her, because thou hast shunned the vanities of the world and forbidden pleasure, and hast fixed on me alone with the desires of thy heart, I intend, while thy family are rejoicing in profane feasts and festivals, to celebrate the wedding which is to unite me to thy soul. I am going according to my promise to espouse thee to the faith. Jesus Christ then spoke once more when the Blessed Virgin appeared. The Mother of God took in her holy hand the right hand of Catherine in order to present it to her son, asking him to deign to espouse her to the faith. The Savior consented to it with love and offered her a golden ring, set with four precious stones, in the center of which blazed a magnificent diamond. He placed it himself on Catherine's finger, saying to her, I, thy credo and redeemer, espouse thee in faith, and thou shalt preserve it pure until we celebrate together in heaven the eternal nuptials of the Lamb. Daughter, now act courageously. Accomplish without fear the works that thy providence will confide to thee. Thou art armed with faith. Thou shalt triumph over my enemies. Part 1, Chapter 11, A Miraculous Marriage This miraculous marriage between St. Catherine and her bridegroom transformed her life Raymond argues it was a confirmation of divine grace, and believed she was destined to save numerous souls and become an apostle for the world. Such an undertaking was a union between the church on earth and Christ's soul in heaven. Catherine's soul obtained high honor through such a union, manifesting in God's constant presence in her life. Her love for Christ was so great, it is said that she asked the weight of her father's sins for him to directly enter paradise without purgatory. This weight caused a sharp pain that remained with Catherine until her death. Catherine's claims of a bridegroom and Christ are backed up with the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 tells us, He might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 and 8 mentions that the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. When Christ presented himself to Catherine as her bridegroom, he was blessed with holiness, making her pure without blemish, loved him above all else. 
mystics speak to the heart as their letters greet us like an old friend. Such passion exists in Catherine's letters to diplomats and religious figures across Europe. They serve an important role in understanding her mysticism as one feels her love for Christ pouring from the heart. They showcase her influence and power over the likes of Pope Gregory XI. In a letter to him, she writes how, I long to see you, the sort of true gentle shepherd who takes an example in the shepherd, Christ, whose place you hold. Letter 74. Catherine's bridegroom told her to travel throughout Europe and work for the good of the church. She traveled throughout Italy into Avignon, encouraging everyone to put aside their differences and her letters showcased her sharp intellect and understanding of the world through her bridegroom. It is worth noting, Catherine did not know how to write until Christ bestowed the Holy Ghost to grant her the insights of reading and writing. Catherine was one of the few women to be intellectually pawed with the ruling men of her day. Catherine understood her powerful importance as the one to restore papal authority and having the Pope free the damaging partisanship caused by the French court prior to Catherine's birth. In 1376, she visited Gregory to condemn priestly abuses. When asked what God's will was for him, Catherine replied, Who knows more perfectly the will of God than your holiness? Who pledged himself by a vow? Deposition of Bartholomew by C of Siena. Stunned, Gregory knew Catherine had the gift of prophetic insight as he told no one the vow he made to return the papacy to Rome if elected. The only two people who knew it were himself and God, so at that moment Gregory decided to fulfill the vow and return to Rome. Could this connect to the vision Catherine had as a child? Did Christ's portrayal in papal garments indicate the power she held over the Pope to end the Avignon residency? We cannot say for certain, but her mysticism did play an important role regarding the papal return to Rome for the first time in 70 years. Though Gregory's death in 1378 laid the groundwork for the Great Schism that dominated European politics for the next three decades. Catherine became an important advisor to Gregory, preaching the importance of restoring the papacy's greatness by getting rid of the bad priests and rulers that wrought the garden of the church. She wanted him to plant new priests and rulers who were true servants of Jesus Christ and care for nothing but the honor of God, the salvation of souls. Catherine continued this reform under Gregory's successor, Urban VI. Confess Catherine's courage showcased a strong, calm woman whose words calmed them while they were afraid, making them guilty before God for their lack of courage. Toward the end of her life, Catherine understood she was going to be a sacrifice for the church's sins and hoped it restored its greatness. The lingering conflict of the Great Schism crushed Catherine's soul as she saw the very thing she fought to prevent unfold before her. As Christ's bride, she sensed the ongoing conflict would hurt him, and asked for the weight of the church to be placed on her shoulders praying. O oh Jesus, 
Let all the parts of my body, all the marrow of my bones, be beaten and pounded together. Only restore thy church to our comeliness and beauty. Part 3, Chapter 2 Circumstances Prior to Her Death St. Catherine collapsed under the floor, covered in bruises. She mirrored her beloved bridegroom because he sacrificed himself to save humanity, while she sacrificed herself to save the church in its moment of need. Both lived 33 years respectfully, with Christ spending 30 years in solitude and 3 years ministering, while Catherine spent 30 years ministering and 3 years in solitude. Lingering in pain for 3 months, Catherine of Siena joined her bridegroom on April 29, 1380. Her death did not mark the end of her journey, though. She was canonized by Pope Pius II in 1461, but so did a co-saint of Rome by Pope Pius IX in 1866, venerated a patron saint of Italy by Pope Pius XII in 1939, declared a doctor of the church by Pope Paul VI in 1970, and named a patron saint of Europe by Pope John Paul II in 1999. In his proclamation, John Paul said that Catherine's mysticism had worked to root out from the garden of the church the rotten plants and to put in their place new plants which are fresh and fragrant. St. Catherine had a lot of influence in political and theological matters during an era where women were not expected to be involved in reform and world influence over the men they served. She gave her life to Christ and his church to save the papacy. When Catherine's soul ascended into heaven, she knew her sacrifice was laid in love as she knew what it felt to be loved by the bridegroom and understood the generosity it had on others. Her mysticism has impacted the church right up to the present, influencing countless figures and makes Catherine a shining light of the faith. Her legacy is best described in her own words. Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the whole world on fire. This can be applied to anyone who wants to follow God's will. And set the world on fire in showcasing how person God's love can be to all who seek it. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. If you enjoyed the article, there's a link in the description below. You can follow Catholicism Coffee and press the applaud button 50 times. One, two, three. I'll do the rest later. That is all, and may God bless.